Bibles Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to Christ the King Sunday, the Reign of Christ Sunday, for the week of November 21st, 2021. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that this is the last week in this year's church year. This is the final one. We'll be in John this week. We do have six readings this week, but this is kind of a fun, interesting Sunday. This is a Sunday that came about during World War II when... The Pope of Rome thought it was appropriate to remind the people, especially in Italy, that Christ is still the king. Christ is still the one who is in control. And so this is kind of a newer church holiday, but it is an interesting spot to kind of wrap up the church year as next week we start Advent and start rolling into the book of Luke. But I think it's also this interesting way, like I stated, of wrapping things up and kind of looking at things in a much broader context. And I think it really works quite well with what we had the Twitter question to be last week is, where have you seen the fingerprints of God outside yourself recently? And for me, it was, I stumbled across an old radio lab interview from 2008 of all places, and I was listening to the radio and it happened to come up, and I'll attach it down in the show notes. It's really, really good and interesting studying, talking about the pheromone that is released in ants to let ants know who's dead, who's not. But what was really fascinating was the last two or three minutes of the interview. And the interview is with E.O. Wilson, who got his Ph.D. from Harvard and was a biologist there who spent his scientific career at both Harvard and Duke. But he was then discussing how, in his opinion, and it was a little bit controversial, humans are this very narrative species. We like telling stories. We like imagining and thinking of our lives in a narrative format. Hence, we're listening to this podcast, hearing the narrative stories of the Bible being retold and talked about. But then he likes looking at science in that same type of way that we are making narrative hypothesis or having multiple hypotheses on how this narrative for different animals around the world or different plants is formed. And when I listened to it initially on the car driving, I thought this is exactly what I've been trying to do for nearly four years now, is trying to take the science that sometimes we see as so divisive, so challenging, and trying to make it that, yes, there is a story here, and this is something that we can be used to help support our faith And understanding the science of what is going on helps provide more narrative context to what we're actually looking at in Scripture and being able to make certain things more relatable. And so that's one of the things that I really enjoyed this week, and it was one of the places where I saw the fingerprints of God. And I think it's one of the ways that in our lives we can look around us and really see the fingerprints of God. So... Let's just jump into it this week. The alternative Old Testament text is coming from 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 to 7. This is kind of a unique spot to kind of drop in just very quickly. And it's 
the last words of David as he's about to die, recognizing that it's the Lord who has given him a lot of these things, given him the tongue to be able to speak with the authority. It's God who is able to bring both fear and comfort. I really like here, verse starting in verse 3, the God of Israel has spoken, the rock of Israel has said to me, one who rules over the people justly, ruling in the fear of God, is like the light of the morning, like the sun rising on a cloudless morning, gleaming from the rain on the grassy land. And that it's through that, that if you think about it, that as we know, that the light provides fuel. You have the grass there, the rain that came overnight, and God being in that, feeding it and giving it the water it needs, but then also the sunlight to be able to fuel the plant's growth. And talking about then also the ones without are like thorns that are cast aside to be picked up later. That it's just something that will be consumed. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 132, verses 1 to 12, and optionally 13 to 18. This continues a little bit in that theme of remembering David and what he was able to do, but also then what then the Lord was doing for the people. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of unique in this is that, yes, we fear God. Yes, we trust God. And yes, it's this one that as we continue to lean into and recognize what God is doing, that this will continue to provide and bring results of where God is wanting us to be. And it's going to be things of our benefit to be able to bring us in deeper relationship and help us understand more the joy, the salvation, the different, the love that God has for us in these different ways. The other alternative Old Testament reading is out of Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10 and 13 and 14. Again, remembering like we talked about last week that Daniel is an apocalyptic type text book, and especially that this was a very popular type of text various different times in scripture. But this is kind of giving us the image of what we think of as God, that sitting on the throne in white with the pure white hair. And yet there's thousands upon tens of thousands serving him and that it has dominion over the whole thing and that there is it shall not be destroyed. The dominion, the kingdom of what God has created will not be destroyed. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 93, all five verses of it. And again, this is playing into that idea that God robed is girded with strength and established the world and it shall not be moved. The throne is established from old an everlasting God and how God still is in control of what is going on and that this then is something that deserves our praise. The New Testament text, the second reading, is from Revelation chapter 1 verses 4b to 8. And again, this apocalyptic end of times type of text. But remember, Revelation is not a book necessarily talking about the end times. It's a revelation to help provide the people of Israel hope. And that 
Here you have Christ being there, that the blood was shed for all of us and has made us welcomed within that priesthood of believers that we shall live forever because of this. And that this is them bringing people together and also remembering that Christ as it was saying that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, this everlasting God. The gospel text is out of John chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. And this is quite a unique spot to be dropping in. This is during the crucifixion week of Jesus. Pilate is has Jesus taken aside, asking him if he is the king of the Jews. And Jesus responds, do you ask this of your own or others telling you to ask me? And Pilate is stating, I'm not a Jew, but you're having these people giving you over to me who are stating that you are. What have you done? And the powerful verse here coming from verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Then in verse 37, Pilate responds, so you are a king. Jesus responds, you say I am a king. For this, I was born and for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And this is where we end this text kind of an ambiguous spot to kind of be thinking about, but also remembering the power of God, remembering the power of what Christ has done, and remembering that the kingdom on which God is working in and living in and working for is a different kingdom than we necessarily look at. And that's something we're going to dig into a little bit more this week. But before we talk about how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help give me some direction for this podcast. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I would also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the library at vanderbilt.edu. I really enjoy this because not only are all the texts in a great laid out spot to be able to look through them, but I really enjoy having these different things along with to kind of give you some different ideas on how to look at these texts. Prayers that might work, art that might work, hymns that might work, the colors that you're looking for, other versions of these texts. It's a great resource. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org or the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the library at Vanderbilt.edu, I'd highly recommend checking out both of these resources. My kingdom is not from this world. That really struck me this week as I was thinking about and contemplating that and trying to wrap my head around what does that really all mean? My kingdom is not from this world. Especially remembering back to last week where Jesus is ridiculing the disciples looking at the big stone buildings in the, that are around Jerusalem and admiring the temple and him talking about how that's all going to be destroyed. And especially coming out of Mark, knowing that this may have been written during that destruction. But I think it also reiterates what world do we live in? 
Do we live in the world of what we see right now, what we know in quotes right now, the human created world in which we're in, that humans have made, and that this is the way that we interpret and look at and think about this world? Or do we live in the natural world where we're going through seasons and change and recognizing that in that there are things that are going on and changing that we need to be aware of? Are we letting ourselves be part of the broader creation? And then I think there is even one beyond that that I think is hard for us to explain where Jesus is talking about potentially this world beyond our sight with angels and the spirits that we hear about being cast into and demons being cast into swine and different things throughout the gospels that we hear about being taken out of people. Is this a world that Jesus sees that we just don't? What does he really mean? In my opinion, at least what I think Jesus is reiterating, I think especially in the people who are coming up with the text we're thinking about was, are we getting consumed with the human constructed world? Especially coming off of last week. My kingdom is not from this world. He is not wanting to state that he is directly a king because how they're interpreting king is not what he is here for. Remember, this has been a promise that has been laid out for generations for these people. And so here he comes and it's not quite the way that they expect. And we'll get into that a little bit more here in Advent. So what does this all mean? As I was thinking about this, the thing that kind of came to my head was the COP26 climate change summit that just wrapped up last week from the United Nations. And this is bringing the world together to try to talk about the science of what was going on. Can we keep the 1.5 degrees Celsius alive? That we're not trying to warm the earth by 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2100 or 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit. And that according to this NPR article, and again, I'll link it down below, that we are at a rate of over the next nine years, increasing our emissions by 14%, and instead in this document trying to reduce our emissions by 45% by 2030. As many scientists stating that to 2020s are the decade that this has to get done if it's going to happen. If we're going to keep under 1.5 degrees Celsius, this is the decade we have to do it. Now, in this summit, there was discussions on was the deadlines and different things that we're looking at happening fast enough. And there's been lots of discussions about that. But one of the things that I felt at least coming out of this and looking at this that I felt optimistic is at least countries agreed to speed up their climate planning, to speed up what they're doing, to try to come together again next year to work together on how they're going to continue to move forward. Now, in this, as a world, were we willing, especially me coming from a very developed nation, looking at potentially giving compensation to countries that are losing, especially in the developing world? No. Did the world agree on phasing out fossil fuels? To an extent, but there was some language that was changed right at the end that made it, yes, a weaker document. 
Was it that the wealthy countries providing funds to different countries that have been directly affected by climate change? No. But what was the positives coming from this? The positives coming from this was at least that you're having major world powers like the United States, like China, who are contributing the most to these problems, saying we have to address this and we have to lead in this. Now, being a United States citizen, I think there are things that I'm already seeing that I wish we weren't doing that I feel like we can improve upon better, but that's another discussion for another day. But what is this? This is recognizing the place in which we're in, recognizing the beauty of what we have, recognizing that as much as we know as a species, we don't know of another place that we can go. This is the place that we can do work. This is the kingdom that we can understand. Have gotten consumed some ourselves with the kingdom of human beings that we've maybe overlooked the kingdom of the world as a whole. And taking steps now of we are realizing we are getting our back up against the wall and that if we're going to do something, now is the time. And I think it's recognizing that that kingdom of the world isn't going to necessarily fail. It will change and it might change to the point where we no longer work well in that world. And that's the thing, what we're putting our back up against right now. And I think that's where it fits well with these texts. It's understanding that in a lot of this, we have created and put ourselves in these situations and we can only go so far. We can help in so many ways to try to help reduce or reduce that curve. But in the end, We aren't in control. In the end, as much as we can do, we can try to work as much as we can, but there's still things that are out of our control. It's our recognition now of that that is happening. Our recognition that we are impacting how things are changing, and maybe we can try reversing some of that, but it's going to take a lot of work. I think about, especially with having this text of Pilate and Jesus there, When did the people around Jesus, the followers of Jesus, recognize they messed up? See, realize that this text that we have is it's an interesting text that this is before they crucify him. Like this is still an opportunity that we could change something. Yes, Jesus for this time period at this place, being in his early 30s, being an old man, for this community because of the hard work and things that were going on, there was still a chance to change things. And as human beings, we got consumed and wrapped up in our own self-interest, or Rome in this case got consumed and wrapped up in the idea of this being a threat, or the Jews being wrapped up with the idea that this guy is too radical to change, Or the church, like right now, realizing that we have to change. Like the environment right now is begging us to, we need to revise our lives to be able to continue to work in this ecosystem. And that's where this text is. Realizing that there is a fine balance of God being in control, but we still contribute to helping take care of this place. 
Remember, God is in control, but still gives us an opportunity to lead, like King David, recognizing the kingdom of the people. The Revelation text reminding us that we are all God's people and that God has always been there, but God is willing to work with broken people. As we're in this broken world, this place that's far from perfect, that God is still willing and able to work with that. Is COP26, the UN Climate Change Initiative, is this going to be the thing that changes the world forever? Probably not, because there's going to have to be additional things to be able to make it to the place that it needs to be. But is it potentially a start? Is it potentially a place that we can build upon as a world to be able to build momentum towards something? That's possible. Just like the mobs of people, somebody had to start the idea that we would get later on in that John text of crucify him, crucify him. Is this the type of bill that builds and starts that ball rolling of how can we modify our habits, especially in developed nations, to reduce our impact so that not only us but our neighbors can survive? Are we willing and able to recognize that? And as we talked about last week, talking about how if floodwaters rise, the environmental costs, the housing costs, the economic costs, that would all happen. Are we willing and able to confront that and recognize that we then have a factor in this? That yes, God is in control, but yes, God is giving us the ability here to help have God's will done. Are we listening to that? Are we letting the voice of God run through us like King David? Are we recognizing and fearing God in the way of a person of great respect? I think these are questions and where we're at that's an interesting and fascinating place to be. Coming to the table is a start. Making initial agreements is a start. Is this something that actually is going to be life-changing? Is it going to be more than just writing it as a New Year's resolution on the wall? Or is it actually something that you're checking off that gets done? That's where we're at. We, as a people, and the people of the time, miss the boat of what Jesus was talking about during his ministry. We could get it, and then we lose it. And we get it, and then we lose it. Jesus is talking about, in my opinion, a kingdom much greater than just humankind. A kingdom of recognizing God's handiwork all around us. Not just a kingdom of a territory of people. Not just a kingdom of people. Something greater than that. Are we, as people, willing to recognize a kingdom greater than ourselves? That's your shorter question of the week. Are we, as people, willing to recognize and acknowledge a kingdom greater than ourselves? Because that's the beginning of the healing. Acknowledging a kingdom greater than just ourselves. As people, we struggle to recognize kingdoms of people who look different than us, then act different than us, for whatever different reason. That we like separating out people and can't recognize them as a kingdom of people. That we all then are under a bigger kingdom together. How then... Are we supposed to recognize a kingdom outside of the homo sapien species? And I'm not talking purely scientific nomenclature here. I'm talking a kingdom that's much greater than the human context. We like putting things in the boxes, but this is something that I think is much more of a gradient that all blends together.
We're in that spot right now that we need to be able to recognize that and be able to do something. And the thing is, is this isn't just legislators. This isn't just some country over there or some state over there. It's all of us. When I look at these texts and look at how abundantly these writers are talking about in terms that we can understand creation and different parts of it, be it the clouds, be it floods, be it rains, be it grass, let's acknowledge then the kingdom that's greater than just ourselves and realize that this is something that we need to be able to take care of because now that kingdom is depending on us to listen to the voice of God on how we're going to take care of it. Otherwise, we won't be part of it. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.